You're listening to the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. On this week's show, in honor of Veterans Day, we start out with two special episodes. On the Your Rights at Work radio show, Union Veterans Council Executive Director Will Attig on how the UVC mobilized against a lawsuit seeking to block the counting of military ballots in Wisconsin. What this case came down to was right-wing radicals trying to disenfranchise military voters in highly minority communities. And on the TWU Local 513 podcast, Veterans Committee Chairman Sean Deeks joins Brian Parker to talk about the Veterans Committee's mission and why it's so important for our veterans to get involved. This day is for veterans, but it also is for people to show their respect for what these kids have put their self on the line for. Even if they might not say it, they respect the thank you for what they've done. And it's a big deal, and I think we should all honor them. The Rick Smith Show's Working Class Heroes Tour comes to Rick's hometown of Cleveland, Ohio. And this is where, again, I come back to this moment, why this tour has been so incredible. We have just met some of the just salt-of-the-earth people that gives me hope that we can reunite, re-engage, and re-energize and revive this country in a positive way. And we do it, again, as I've been saying, not with the red hat or the blue hat, but with the hard hat. Phones down, fists up. A report from the strike by call center workers at Maximus from the Working People podcast. It's just like we're not being treated fairly. Um, with respect and dignity, and um, those are the issues, you know, that we were, that led us to the strike today. On the latest episode of Labor Express Radio, Alianza Americas and Lawyers for Civil Rights discuss their lawsuit targeting Republican politicians responsible for the transportation of migrants under false pretenses. It's sad to see that there are politicians in our country that have no hesitation whatsoever in actually duping people, manipulating people, tricking uh, people, which only compounds the uh, difficulties that people have already experienced in their way uh, to the U.S. And in our final segment from the SAG-AFTRA podcast, a candid look at the challenges and opportunities with self-taping and what the union is doing to address these concerns. Moving forward, producers and casting directors, they cannot ask for multiple camera angle changes. They can ask a performer, you can you know, move from your living room to your, to your dining room, but you certainly can't go paddle boarding or go out and shoot at a different location. That's all coming up on this edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. If you like what you hear, please take a moment to subscribe and share the show. It's what we like to call Sonic Solidarity. I'm Chris Garlock, and this is the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. Here's the show.
right, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Your Rights at Work. I'm Chris Garlock here once again with Mr. Ed Smith. Hey, if you've got questions about your workplace rights, the ones you have, the ones you don't have, the ones you wish you had, this would be the time. Give us a call, 202-588-0893. And Kalia will do whatever it is that he does to get you on the air so you can talk to us, or, or better yet, talk to Ed, because uh, he's he's the labor law expert uh, for us. Now, today, we've got a, a pretty good show lined up for you. Tomorrow, of course, is Veterans Day. That's when we thank the men and women who've served the nation in the military. But last Friday, and I'm not making this up, a Wisconsin lawmaker who's been a frequent promoter of false election claims sued, that's right, sued, to prevent the immediate counting of military ballots in her state. Uh, if it sounds crazy, what can I tell you? I, uh, you know, it happened. I'll tell you what, I was going to go to the Rip and Read headlines, but I see uh, that Will has joined us. Will, you got to give us some background on this story out of Wisconsin. You know, I bumped into you the other day, uh, and you were you were jazz, man. You were, Will Will was vibrating. At, seriously, he was. So t- tell us about this this uh, this shenanigans that went down in Wisconsin just before the election. We're kind of standing by Friday night, and I was actually trying to have a night out, and uh, a, a local union veteran from Wisconsin reached out to me. And they had heard news about a lawsuit filed by the Concerned Veterans of America, um, their local chapter, which is a right-wing Republican group for veterans, uh, a radical veteran lawmaker, election denier, um, uh, election overturner is what I like to call them now. Um, and they were trying to file a suit to block any ballot by military members. And, and, and really, it's mainly focused on military folks, but it also affected their families. It affected the merchant marines, um, if you're in the National Guard. And what they want to do is put an injunction in Friday, last you know, 11th hour, to not allow those votes to be counted. Um, mm. And I, I just don't, I mean, you got to take a step back and really realize there are uh, people in armed forces right now from Wisconsin um, in Romania uh, waiting to be ensured that we can defend democracy if, if anything happens in Europe. Um, we have uh, people all over the country deployed on National Guard deployments. We've got family members. How dare they say that those folks' votes do not matter, right? It was just mind-blowing to me. It really was. You know, traditionally, um, Republicans love their service uh, uh, members' votes. So what what changes that in Wisconsin? Yeah, so, so, so yes, actually, that's actually a real point. Veterans, once they come home, they're just regular folks. We come from every community, and, and the, the attacks on these same communities are, are attacks against veterans. When we see attacks against uh, young people from voting, uh, people who have disabilities from voting, and then this a massive, massive attack on, you know, people of color and minorities, which is just blatant racism in 2022, um, that, that just simply being talked about in open now. Um, it's, it's appalling, and, and nobody should have to, no one should have to fight to have to be able to cast a ballot. That's the one day that we're all equal in this country. Right. Technically speaking, is the day that we get to all cast a ballot, whether you're a millionaire, whether you're you know, someone who, who, who is barely getting by. We all get to have a say. And that's something special about this country. Um, and I started reaching out to folks. And um, by 10 o'clock the next morning, we were in a Washington Post uh, a newspaper article about this issue, um, causing a lot of uh, chaos. We had a, a, a Twitter post that went viral um, that had over a quarter million impressions within the first, uh, I think, 
12 hours of being out. Um, and that showed how much of an issue this was for the American people. Um, by Sunday afternoon, um, I was on a, on a court, uh, court docket with uh, Mark Elias um, and a, uh, as the lead intervener to try and cancel and stop this court case. It was going to disenfranchise uh, you know, thousands of military voters in Wisconsin. We were very involved in 2020 with some of the attacks on, and especially in Michigan. Um, I remember getting one of these exact same calls on election night um, from Michigan, from Detroit, where uh, Republicans were trying to sequester, and in Wisconsin on election night, um, mail-in ballots, including all the military ones, um, because they were just trying to call. So we were we were prepared, and we knew that this could happen. I think there was an attempt to sow chaos. Uh, we now know two days later that that largely failed. Uh, and, I, and I'm going to say it, um, I think it was largely to, you know, thanks to the attempts of folks like yourself that were prepared. I don't know that you're prepared for this specific eventuality. I certainly didn't see it coming. Um, as the lawyer started, that represented the all these really right-wing extremists, um, you know, kept arguing. One, he admitted that the majority of the ballots would be thrown out if they won their case. So these, they, they, he admitted that they would be disenfranchising, you know, thousands of, of, of votes. The one thing that we want to do is make sure that these service members' votes got counted on election day. What this case came down to was right-wing radicals trying to disenfranchise military voters in highly minority communities. There was no massive fraud. There was, you know, there was no. <laughs> there was no magical, fraud at all. No, was even, no, there, no there, was, there was not even minor fraud. Right. So we were very proud to, to be able to be there to to stand up to those for those service members and for that community because you know, again, that's what we're. It's all about at the Union Veterans Council. I truly believe in this country. Um, I don't believe in it as this perfection piece of perfection or anything like that. I believe it's a, a work in progress. And it takes everybody to, to, to get on board to try and make this thing move forward. And um, I'm happy to be part of it. I'm happy to be part of the labor movement. And, and thanks for telling these stories and keeping them going. So you, you, keep, uh, you keep doing them and we'll keep telling them. How's that? Yes, sir. Have a great one and, and happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day, brother. Really appreciate it. That is Will Attic. He's been on this show often. He is the executive director of the Union Veterans Council. The Transport Workers Union Local 513 podcast with second vice president Brian Parker is online and streaming. Take it away, Brian. Hello and welcome to the TWU Local 513 podcast. Joining me today is a special guest. He is the chairman of our Local 513 Veterans Committee, Sean Deeks. Thanks for joining me today, Sean. Yes, sir. So if you would, before we get started, tell us a little bit about you and kind of what your path was with your military service and all the way into American Airlines and becoming the chairman of our committee. Well, I am Title II facilities out of A-Terminal. I am a veteran of the U.S. Navy. My rate was IC, which is Interior Communication Electrician. I did four years. I was stationed out of Norfolk, Virginia, deployed three times to the Middle East. We were part of a MU, a Marine Expeditionary Unit. So I had a lot of ties back and forth with the Marines, picking them up, dropping them off. My job in the military plays a big part into what I do now for American. I learned a lot of skills in the military, and it carried over to where I'm at now as 16, 17 years as an electrician now. The military was very good for me. So I was very fortunate from my military experience not having any issues going out with any kind of injuries or medical issues. I do know a lot of people that left and 
had issues when they got out and see a lot of guys that are older and ladies that are older that have issues that they did not get rectified when they got out. And when this position came up, when Andre had stepped down after serving this committee for a very long time, I thought it was an opportunity to be able to give back to other veterans. Veterans helping veterans because our situations are different from most and we have to deal with a whole other entity that you just don't get to deal with on a regular basis. That's where I'm at now. Just started with the committee in March and hopefully we can get this going. So let's talk about the committee. And I know you talked about Andre Hanekamp, kind of handed it off. And I'm sure he's given you a great turnover. He did serve on the committee for a long time, did a lot of great work. Talk about the committee itself and, you know, kind of what does it do and what's, what's good about the Veterans Committee for our members? So the Veterans Committee, we are here to be able to give information for disability, education, what's going on with the legislation right now. A big part of that right now, since I'm new into the position, is we go to the international, which these guys are all over the U.S. for TWU. We hear and we find out issues that happen all over through different jurisdictions to find out what they had to do what they did do to help out their veterans at the local. It's a large networking community that we have. Everybody's situation is different. Everybody has different stuff going on in their life. Everybody's different branches. And a lot of this stuff comes from experience. You just don't know it going out. You have to be informed. You had to go through it. So the committee at the international level, we have the legislative subcommittee. We have the benefits. We have events. So we have a lot of committees that deal with and they hone in at the international level that all the local chairmen are part of individual committees for the international. So we all kind of hone in on one for the international level. But when we come back, what I'm trying to do here is create subcommittee chairs for our local to create groups here for people that want to volunteer and help out other veterans to grow and inform our veterans here what we have going on or what's going on with Congress on bills getting passed, like the burn pit. So there's stuff that if you're not paying attention to it, it goes by real quick and it'll fly past you. And if you don't have somebody informing you or paying attention to it, you won't know. That's just a lot of the stuff, especially in legislation. If you're not paying attention to it, if it doesn't affect you, you're really not paying attention to it. But it could benefit you because those bills are very big. So today is Veterans Day. And aside from working and getting double time and a half and things like that, what does Veterans Day mean to you, Sean? Veterans Day to me is honoring those who have served before us and to show respect and the gratitude that we should give these people that put their life on the line for us. Just like your son, he's an active veteran. He's doing the service that he signed up for. It goes sometimes unthanked for what they do. And this day is for veterans, but it also is for people to show their respect for what these kids have put their self on the line for. Veterans Day gives a day for people that didn't serve to be able to honor those that have served. It should be a big day. There's the forgotten veterans that we don't talk about, the ones that don't want help. But it is a day to honor the ones that have signed the dotted line. Veterans respect, even if they might not say it, they respect the thank you for what they've done. And it's a big deal, and I think we should all honor them. Well, I appreciate you. And uh, before we go, is there anything else you want to add that I didn't touch on? Just anybody that hears this and can pass this along, let's, let's get this group growing. Let's help veterans out. Okay, Sean, I appreciate you joining me today. Thank you personally for your service. It means a lot to me, as well as your friendship. And thank all of our members that served, family that has currently served or has served. It's important for what you guys have done for us. So everybody take care and thank you for listening to today's podcast. Have a great day. For questions and comments about today's podcast, please email podcast at twulocal513.org. For more information about TWU Local 513, please visit www. 
www.twulocal513.org. Music licensed by Pond5. Today's podcast was produced, engineered, and edited by Tommy Engel. It's time for the Rick Smith Show. Now, here is the voice of the working class, Rick Smith. And welcome, brothers, sisters, working class heroes. This is the Rick Smith Show. Thanks so much for being here as we wrap up our working class heroes radio tour. And what an incredible trip we have had. Just lots of incredible people that we've met. And everyone along the way, thank you. Uh, thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for the opportunity to to talk about the important issues and share some thoughts and hopes and dreams, feelings. It's just been, it's been one of these things. You know, you do this program. You know, you sit in the studio. You you get you know feedback, emails, and usually, usually what you get returned sitting in this seat is the worst version of most people. Uh, you find that when you deal with people online, you're sending emails or direct messages or, you know, Twitter or Facebook or any of that stuff. It's the worst version of themselves. It's generally it's generally nasty stuff. But when you get to get out and meet people, and go, yeah, hey, I, I watch, I listen, I, I participate. Hey, you know, thanks for what you do. It's great stuff that energizing. But, you know, more importantly, it 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 shows me that it's not all doom and gloom. And this is where, again, I come back to this moment, why this tour has been so incredible. We have just met some of the just salt of the earth people that gives me hope that we can reunite, re-engage and re-energize and revive this country in a positive way. And we do it again, as I've been saying, not with the red hat or the blue hat, but with the hard hat. Uh, We get things done. We rebuild this country. We reshore manufacturing. We do it in a way that's going to increase the workers' ability to thrive, to survive, the opportunity to you know, support their families, raise their children, and have a future. That, that to me is the important part in all of this. So today on the program, we're wrapping up here in, well, you know, my the area of my birth, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, and thank goodness for the good folks here at the North Shore Federation of Labor for inviting us into their hall and spending a little time. And that's why I've asked their executive secretary, Dan O'Malley, to come share some thoughts on on my former city and, and where things are going. Dan, thanks for taking time for us. Thanks for having me, Rick. We're glad you're here. So, you know, again, I, I love coming home and I, I love the fact that this was where I got my start in labor and this is where I got my start in, as a working person. And it was the culture here at the time that really you know, drew me in and, and made me the activist that I am. Uh, do you see that culture continuing here? Because I said, look, Cleveland's a union town through and through without question. Yeah, we've actually uh, had to test that theory a couple of times uh, recently. And I will tell you the support that exists for organized labor, not just among union members, but really throughout the community, uh, is palpable. It's strong. It makes a difference in a lot of our yep. campaigns. Uh, like you said, this is a quintessential union town, and uh, not just our history, but our present and, and our future too. No, I look at my aunt, who's seventy some odd years old, has never been a union member, but you know will never cross cross a picket line, and is one of the most pro union people. 
uh, that I know because she, look, she saw what happened you know, with her father, my grandfather, the fact that they were able to survive and, and lead a middle-class lifestyle on one income. And they were able to lead their lives and retire with dignity and, 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 and all of that and of what union lifestyles bring, bring the, not just the family, but the community as a whole. Um, it we say it all the time, but it, it gets truer and truer every time. Um, you know, this, we're, we're, we're not just talking about the future of our economy or the future of healthcare. We're really talking about the future of our democracy itself and of our country. The working class is, is angry. And it, it comes back to, you know, my, you know, growing up in Cleveland, I watched deindustrialization happen. I watched those factories on Brook Park Avenue go away. Yep. I watched the flats become... You know, a bar area instead of a steel area. Right. You, you watch this kind of stuff happening. And the lives that people were used to leading during that era when, when unions were strong, when we had strong manufacturing, and those factory jobs were union jobs, when they lost that, their lives got immeasurably worse. This has been, and this is where back in 2010, if you remember the Tea Party rise, yeah. I was telling my labor friends, you should be getting involved in that. Mm -hmm. You should be taking that over instead of allowing the, the moneyed interest to create these AstroTurf groups to steal your issues. That's right. These were labor's issues. Correct. It's exactly. These have, we've been totally consistent on it. Um, and we've, we've got some folks who like Trump, who've just kind of come in and completely usurped the issue. Um, but then you've got people, like I said, like Marcy Captor, Sherrod Brown, Tim Ryan, who've been rock solid, totally consistent for decades on this. This I, is what we've been doing on our Working Class Heroes Tour. Yep. We've been going to communities in Wisconsin and Iowa and Michigan and saying, look, Pennsylvania, Ohio. We've been saying, look, the message is this. Yeah. You know, the, you know, the blind squirrel found the nut. Right. Trump found this. We, we always knew, and here on this program, we've been talking about this for the last 17 years, but now it's time to pick up this mantle, understand that you, you made mistakes, and I think Biden is doing some of that. I think some of the neoliberal policies of the past are being mm -hmm. put aside. I think talking about reshoring manufacturing, investing in infrastructure, and of course, yes, strengthening unions, what I call the secret sauce of my grandparents' generation— that's where we're, that's the path we're on. Yeah. So I think we're at a crossroads in this moment. We yeah. can go back to what was yesterday, or we can keep moving towards the future of what what I think can be. Yeah, it's not just good politics; it's good policy. I mean, it is actually going to uh, resurrect uh, a phenomenal working uh, working class here in Ohio. Great jobs, um, and hopefully stronger communities too. That is the hope. You're listening to The Rick Smith Show here with Dan O'Malley. He's the executive secretary here at the North Shore Federation of Labor. You can check out their website, northshoreaflcio.org. We'll get links out on social media how you can take a look at that. You've been listening to The Rick Smith Show. Email Rick, Email Rick. at rick at com. Until next time, this has been The Rick Smith Show, where working people come to talk. Phones down, fists up. A report from the strike by call center workers at Maximus from the Working People podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Tiffany Murray. I am a Maximus worker. 
Um, it's a call center in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. Um, we basically take calls on a day-to-day basis trying to help our citizens with um, affordable health care. Now, um, the site has been open since 2013. A lot of my coworkers started when the doors first opened. And when the doors first opened, they were only making $9.05. And they were, you know, struggling to take care of their families. And this is, you know, one of the main reasons why um, we did go out on that strike today. Um, because our, my coworkers and I were demanding higher wages. So now um, in 2019, we got the $15 raise and then the cost of living and everything is steadily rising, but we're still at that $15. So um, my coworkers, you know, they were fed up with the pay, um, the way that they do the management, um, the supervisors, you know, they micromanage them. They nitpick, you know, um, certain supervisors has their favorites and things like that. And there's the attendance policy. Um, you don't have only, I think they give you 64 hours. Yes, they give you 64 hours um, throughout the year to miss. That's unapproved time. And a lot of people have children, they have doctor's appointments, you know, they have life that happens and, you know, you have to miss time due to, you know, life happening. And they just felt like they didn't have that job security, you know, if they did have to call off or work or, you know, stay home because their child was sick. So those are, you know, two main reasons why, you know, my coworkers were striking. So it's, you, you know, it's just like, we're not being treated fairly um, with respect and dignity. And um, those are the issues, you know, that we were, that led us to the strike today. We are just getting started, okay? Um, we are not letting up into our demands have been met. And, and that may take a month, it may take a year, it may take two years, but I am here for the long haul. And um, we are going to get uh, those demands that we are asking for. And if anyone um, would like to um, sign on to our petition, you will get all of the information um, from the community uh, supporter emails at actionnetwork.org. And you guys go on there and get that petition signed and you will get all of the information um, of our community supporter emails. And, you know, just keep track of what we have going on because we do have a lot going on. And um, like I said, this is only the beginning. Turn night and day by hand and by brain to earn 
listening to WLPN 105.5 FM Chicago, and you're listening to Labor Express Radio, Chicago's only labor news and current affairs radio program, news for working people by working people. I'm your host, Jerry Mead Lucero, and this is the Sunday, October 16th, 2022 edition of Labor Express. On tonight's episode of Labor Express, we'll hear from our friends at Alianza Americas about their effort to offer aid to the thousands of migrants, mostly Venezuelan asylum seekers, that Republican officials in Texas and Florida fraudulently shipped to multiple locations in northern states, and the lawsuit they have launched, along with their allies and lawyers for civil rights, to hold those responsible for the fraudulent transportation and abuse of these migrants to account. My name is Miriam Albert, and I am a staff attorney at Lawyers for Civil Rights, an organization in Boston that provides free legal services to low-income people. For nearly a week now, Lawyers for Civil Rights has been working with approximately 50 immigrants who were deceived by conspirators, perpetrating a fraudulent scheme and using them as political props. This scheme placed our clients in harm's way. Lawyers for Civil Rights and a team of pro bono attorneys and community volunteers have been working around the clock to support the migrants, first in Martha's Vineyard and now in Cape Cod. My name is Ivan Espinosa Madrigal. I am the executive director of Lawyers for Civil Rights. Yesterday, Lawyers for Civil Rights filed a class action in federal court in Boston on behalf of the migrants deposited unceremoniously in Martha's Vineyard. This is the first case of its kind nationally since lawyers for civil rights filed this case as a class action we represent not only the stranded migrants in the vineyard but all similarly situated migrants across the country who have been fraudulently induced by governor DeSantis in florida to cross state lines through misrepresentations and we are seeking a nationwide injunction to block Governor DeSantis and Florida from engaging in these activities which endanger human lives, including women and children. I'm the executive director of Alianza Americas, an 18-year-old network of Latin American, Caribbean, immigrant-led organizations in the U.S., uh, really heartbroken uh, to see the way in which the pain of people is manipulated and used for political purposes. Uh, we've seen this same pattern repeat, you know, in New York City, in Chicago, and more recently in Massachusetts. I think it's important for us to understand why are people coming, you know, because this question keeps coming up. And people are coming essentially for two primary reasons in the recent past. Uh, the first reason is the fact that life in the countries of origin of many of the nationals that have been trying to reach the U.S. have become much more difficult, at least on two counts. Uh, one, you know, there is an increasing pattern of dictatorial, authoritarian uh, governing practices in these countries. And that combines you know, with the fact that we are not at all uh, recovered from the impact of COVID-19. Uh, a global event that made the life of so many people in Latin America so much worse because life was not nice even before uh, COVID and COVID only made it worse. It's sad to see that there are politicians in our country that have no hesitation whatsoever in actually duping people, manipulating people, tricking 
people, which only compounds the uh, difficulties that people have already experienced in their way uh, to the US. I think it is important to highlight the fact that this set of events have also brought again to the forefront the need for us to have a conversation about how can we do better? How can immigrant integration, including those who are seeking asylum in the US, how can we do it better? Especially knowing that these individuals have been so incredibly positive for the well-being of the United States of America for decades, and also the well-being of millions of households in their home countries who receive, among other things, remittances, financial support from the relatives working in the U.S. You're listening to Labor Express Radio, which calls only labor news and current affairs radio program. Labor Express is a proud member of the Labor Radio Podcast Network, working people's voices broadcasting worldwide 24 hours a day. Find out more at laborradionetwork.org. The song is our theme is called Worker Songs, written by Ed Pickford and recorded by the Dropkick Murphys. Tune in every Sunday at 8 p.m. or Monday at 11 a.m. on 105.5 FM or lumpenradio.com for more Labor Express. everyone. Welcome to the SAG-AFTRA podcast. I'm Duncan Crabtree, Ireland, National Executive Director of SAG-AFTRA. And I'm Ben Whitehair, Executive Vice President of SAG-AFTRA. On this episode of the podcast, we continue an important discussion about self-taping. Recently, we surveyed SAG-AFTRA members to tell us about their experience with self-tapes, and we received thousands of responses. Clearly, this is an issue of great interest and concern to our members. I had the pleasure of hosting an informative PTEOE discussion on self-tapes that we wanted to share with you. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. What stands out is the spectrum of difficulties that present themselves. I know that as performers, we often are asked to do above and beyond the scale, but this is a real uh, reverberating echo from, uh, from the survey responders to note some issues that we need to look at and make some noise about as we move forward in our negotiations. The danger aspect, the the inconvenience aspect, the discriminatory aspect of what can happen with self-tapes, those are the things that kind of jump out at me right now initially. Yeah, I was I was particularly struck that we as members are getting more opportunities, but that it, you know, there's a lot of really powerful challenges in in doing that. Claudette, it sounds like members are really looking to SAG after to help in educating casting professionals. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the commercials team has been doing to help educate industry professionals about the self-tape protections in the new commercials agreement? Sure. Well, since the commercial contract was ratified in May, we have met with the CCDA, which stands for the Commercial Casting Directors Association, as well as the CSA, which is the Casting Society of America to go over the new provisions with their members. 
additionally, staff has prepared and uh, distributed monthly bulletins to uh, casting directors that uh, outline the new provisions with respect to self-tapes as well as virtual auditions. Uh, we have received positive feedback from casting directors. They have found this information to be very helpful and beneficial. And we will continue to do that throughout the remainder of the year. Claudette, reading through the list of issues that members say they've encountered in self-tape and virtual auditions, many of these are now prohibited by the new commercials contract. Can you fill us in on some of those specifics? During the WNW, uh, the wages and working conditions process last fall, uh, we heard from members around the country that self-tapes were uh, a pain point for them, and they provided us with specific examples of what they were being asked to have multiple camera angle changes, as well as uh, multiple wardrobe changes and uh, multiple uh, makeup changes where they would be asked, you know, we want you to look goth, we want you to have minimal makeup, we want you to have smoky eyes. And so it, it, it was a lot of stuff that they were being asked to do for these self-tapes. And so from the union's perspective, a performer shouldn't be asked to do anything that they would otherwise be required to do in an in-person audition at the casting facility. And so we took these examples during negotiations and had a conversation with the Joint Policy Com Committee, which is our bargaining partner. And we were able to build in uh, protections for our members. So moving forward, producers and casting directors, they cannot ask for multiple camera angle changes. They can ask a performer, you can you know, move from your living room to your, to your dining room, but you certainly can't go paddle boarding or go out and shoot at a different location. Um, so we have new provisions that kind of balance what and protect what our members can be required to do for our self-tape auditions. Thank you so much for being here and, and sharing all of your, your insights on this. And that's it for this week's edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, our roundup of highlights from just a few of the more than 150 labor radio shows and podcasts that make up the Labor Radio Podcast Network. We've got links to the shows you heard today in the show notes. You'll find all the network shows at laborradionetwork.org. You can also find them. Use the hashtag laborradiopod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Labor Radio Podcast Weekly was edited by me and Patrick Dixon. I produced the show, and our social media guru, as always, is Mr. Harold Phillips. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Labor Radio Net. Find out more on our website, laborradionetwork.org. For Labor Radio Podcast Weekly, this is Chris Garlock. Stay active and stay tuned to your local labor radio podcast show.